0: Listening to First Church, Charlotte. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight on the idea of divine protection and what it means in our life. Uh, one of the reasons why I want to do this is if we cannot get beyond fear, we will never be effective in the kingdom of God. Amen. Sister Lisa, I'm going to say it three times. If you cannot get beyond fear, you're going to struggle to be effective in the kingdom of God. And if you don't have an understanding of divine protection, you will never be able to release your fear. I'm not going to rush past this. I know you're looking at me, but I'm comfortable as a pig in slop. Uh, If you're sitting by a friend or a spouse even, turn to them and say, You have to let go of your fear get to the next level. Fear is the enemy's plan to keep you stuck. And the path out is not to get to the point where you don't feel fear, but the path out is to choose courage. We choose courage. We choose courage. Say it with me. I choose courage. I still feel fear, but I choose courage. Knowing God's nature and understanding what it means to be a part of the kingdom of heaven can help us be courageous serving God. And so I want to, just as an introduction, I'm going to come at this kind of around the way. And <clears throat> if I don't, uh, if I don't get it all tonight, I'll finish up another night. I, I've got to get out of the habit of, of trying to rush to get it all in. The truth is, if I, when I do that, nobody gets it anyway, it's just too much, It's like going to one of those Brazilian steakhouses and they bring out a rack of filet mignons. Let me tell you how many filet mignons I can enjoy one and a half. (laughs) After that, it's wasted on me. It doesn't matter how good it is. Give me a good nod. Doesn't matter how good it is; it's wasted on me. And so, I want to kind of ease my way into this. And I want to, uh, first of all, today in prayer, the scripture came to me, and it was a surprise to me because I had not thought about this scripture much. And I don't know that I've ever preached specifically from this scripture. I've referenced it several times. Um, I, thinking further, began to wonder if I had if I had really heard it celebrated or, or talked about much uh, in any of any of my experience with church and. Uh, it's kind of a scripture that that hides itself because it's surrounded by such good stuff. We kind of we kind of uh, just include it in a bouquet of of spiritual truth. But I want to I want to point out something here. I'm reading 1 Timothy six and sixteen. It's easy to miss because Paul's wrapping up his writing, his commandments, his teaching uh, to his son in the faith, Timothy. And part of that is. Is this, is this statement of insight. Let's start at verse 13 just for understanding. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot blameless, before, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing which he will manifest in his own time. He who is blessed, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Notice verse 16. Who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light. He alone is of eternity. The rest of us are created. He alone is immortal in the sense of always having existence. We are the created ones. And he makes this statement, who alone has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power, and join the apostle and say it together, Amen. So having thought about that scripture, I I begin to I I begin to think for a moment Uh, Really, more than a moment, pretty much the whole of the day, this has been coming uh, back to me. How easy it is for us to say we are a part of a kingdom, but fail to understand the purpose, the mission, the way, the style, the culture of that kingdom. Uh, This isn't unique to us. It isn't unique to this time, this place, this church. If you look in the scripture, one of the most common errors of good people is, even godly people, even covenant people, one of the most steady, consistent mistakes they make is failing to understand uh, the kingdom they are a part of. In fact, the reason why the house of Israel completely misunderstood the ministry of Jesus Christ is because they could not see that the kingdom of God was different from their expectations. Remember Jesus talking to Um, Oh, I'm having a mental block. Uh, Comes to him by night. And Nicodemus, and uh, they're having this conversation. And Jesus, in part of the conversation, asks a question. And when Nicodemus says, I don't know, Jesus says this to him. He says, you consider yourself a teacher, and you don't know these things? Nicodemus is the product of his time. He is the product of his His society's interpretation of Scripture. And having thought about that, I want to confess that it's not always easy for us to understand what God is doing. I I don't want to say that as though I'm spiritual and you are not. I mean, it may be true that I am super spiritual and you are not. Uh, That's a different issue. Uh, Probably you're super spiritual and I am not, but you get the idea. That is to miss the point. The, the, The thing is this, even for people who have structured the whole of their life around the scripture, even for people who have Served for years in a mission, in a church, uh, on a foreign field. There is, I would say, uh, this sense that God's working is beyond my easy comprehension. I have to do what I know and let him handle the things I cannot see. Uh, and so that is why it is so important for us to understand the shape of the kingdom of heaven. The, and I, I use that word vaguely, admittedly, but the, 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 the tone, the tenor, the style, the way. Uh, of the kingdom of heaven, uh, because there's going to be so much that we do not, we do not readily understand. Uh, Jesus, again, and this of course isn't in my notes. I'm just kind of free associating here. So uh, bear with me. Uh, he, he says this to Nicodemus. He says, Look, uh, the, the, the spirit blows where it wills, and so is everyone who is born of God. There's this element of the Lord moving in my life. And I don't understand it all. But I'm glad that he's moving. Yes. And there's the sense that God is moving in your life. And you don't see everything clearly. Paul said it, I think, most fittingly. He said, it's as though we see through this darkened glass. Remember, uh, glassware as we know it is pretty modern. Back in this time, it would have been very, very strange for them to have what we think of as, as clear glass. They, they would not have anything like that. They would have just the embarrassed of uh, minerals that you might could see some light through, almost as though uh, you had a, a pain of, say, uh, say uh, amber. And you, you saw through light, through amber, but you couldn't really see. It was opaque. There was an inability. So it is that that, that God dwells. Stay with me. I want you to see. Uh, God dwells in unapproachable light. There is this sense of the divine with him. And, and we do not We do not just approach him easily. And so um, I, in my life, am quick to say, uh, I don't understand what God is doing, but I'm glad he's doing it. I'm quick to doing that. Uh, several of you guys know this because you've come to me and you've had a dream or you've had a word and you wanted an interpretation. And in a few cases, I've given you what I felt was an initial response, but you all will be witness to the fact that I always point out it is an initial response and the Lord loves to reveal the prophetic and the powerful through the process of time. This is so consistent. This is how the scripture is given to us through the process of time. This is how grace is revealed. Say it with me through the process of time. This is how the manifest flesh of God walks among us in the fullness of time. So I have a few things I want to say to you right now. God is working in your life and you have no idea to know just how beautiful the work will be when he is finished in your life. I want you to believe that. I want you to say that as an act of your faith, just as you believe that Christ rose from the dead and his resurrection heralded your redemption, just as you believe that. I want you to choose to believe in the same manner you chose to believe that. I want you to choose to believe that God's working in your life right now. You say, oh, but preacher, I'm a little confused. That's okay. You get to be confused. Welcome to the club called humanity. Let me make a statement of spiritual truth truth and a statement of faith. God is working in your life and you may not understand all the ways of his blessing and keeping and protection but God is working on your behalf. How do I know that? He said so and he's not a man that he would lie. He said he would be with you. This side over here, y'all hear me? I said Jesus said he would be with you. How about this side over here? Jesus said he would be with you. You don't have to believe this preacher. I mean, I hope I'm believable, but you don't have to believe me. Jesus said he was going away, but he would not leave us comfortless. He would be with us. This, oh, hallelujah somebody. This is the gift of the spirit in your life and your highest kingdom opportunity is to live out the manifestation of the spirit of God in your life. So this sense of we, we know God dwells in unapproachable light. We know his ways are above our ways. And yet we are called to manifest the kingdom of God in our life. We are, we are called to live in a manner that God within us is like a lighted city that is built on a hill above a plain and though darkness lay all across the plain the journeyer can see the lights of the city walls in the distance and though they lay in darkness and though the lowland is covered in shadow there on the rise in the distance there is a city so it is that God's testimony in my life and his testimony in your life what is that what is the testimony of God In the most obvious since the testimony of God is the miraculous, this is when God makes a point to gain your interest by breaking his own laws of a physical nature and manifesting the miraculous among his people. Every great move of God in scripture is accompanied by what the miraculous. Why the miraculous is a testimony of God, it's his stamp of anointing upon a people. Is anybody hearing me tonight, or should I just dismiss early? Okay, so I want you to see. That's number one. Number two is the testimony of your changed life. The old man has been renewed, and you have put on the mind of Christ, the the death of the flesh, the bondage of flesh, which is not a bondage necessarily of possession. It's a bondage of deception, Man, that's so good. Nobody over here said amen. I'm just, that is so good. You see, we, we think in terms of, don't be starting a fight. There won't be no fight. Uh, we think in terms of all the bondage of sin. I just had to sin. No, you wanted to sin. Why did you want to sin? You were deceived. You thought happiness right. That's right. was hidden in sin. But that's the deception. The bondage of sin is the bondage of deception. Real quick. Mm, man, I feel the Lord here today, huh? I, I, I've just been walking with this all day long and I've been preaching in my car and I've been preaching in my office and I was greeting kids over in the life center and I was walking back and forth preaching to myself. And so so let me, let me, let me, let me get into this. The deception makes a person think that happiness is in this action. That's the deception. That's the lie. We most perfectly fit a fallen world when we believe a lie. You want to fit into a fallen generation? Believe a lie. But to suddenly see that the thing you thought would make you happy is just another form of emptiness... It's like the person says, if I had this, then I would be happy. Uh, No, it's not that simple. Um, You might have a sense of fulfillment for a while, but what you discover is that which you have taken that is temporal is another form of emptiness. It, too, needs meaning. That's why people spend their whole life building a business, and they find out the business is another form of emptiness. It needs meaning. Or you could skip all of the random chasing your your theological tail. Strange image that. But you could just skip all that and understand everything in this life is made to hold meaning. Whether it's business, whether it's the pleasures of the flesh, whether it's the lusts of wanting this and competing that and want to be rich, young, and famous. It's too late for me to be any of those things. But the idea is really cool. Would that make me happy? Well, let's look at them as a group. Do they have this sense of happiness? No, they have a strange type of emptiness. And so I want you to see, I want you to see here that to believe this lie creates this deception in our life. And uh, we, instead of being deceived by the lie, we have to perceive that we are invited to be a part of another kingdom. It is a kingdom that is built around God's nature and around God's goodness all the way back. And I'm not even going to get to protection tonight. Um, I'll try to give you a little bit at the end. So uh, go back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, Why did God create a garden and why did he say it was good? Because he's a creator and it is in his nature and in his heart to create that which is good and that which is beautiful. Because it's in his nature. And that is why he would, why would you create a garden? Why would you look at it and say it's good? Notice he doesn't say, I'm not lonely anymore. That's not the point of it. That is a benefit of it. He makes beautiful things because it is of his nature. And that's why I said to you earlier, whatever you are facing, I believe God is working in your life to bring something beautiful out of it, however ugly it is. You see, and so in this garden, he creates something and he says, that is good. That is good. And then Adam and then uh, and, and Eve, and there is completeness. And uh, he says, this is, this is very good. It is in his nature to do uh, that which is beautiful, that which is wonderful, that which is pleasing. And I don't just mean in the sense of the aesthetic, not just beautiful as a form or a look, but beautiful as place and order, because that's what you see in the Garden of Eden. And sin, when it enters in, I, I didn't know I was getting into all this, y'all. Forgive me. Um, When sin enters in, what it does is it destroys divine order. Sin destroys divine order. Why was Adam and Eve placed in a garden? The Bible says specifically to keep it and to tend it. And they were given the word of definition over it. They were, the Lord did not name. He left it to them to name. Part of their keeping, part of their tending was to define what it was and what it what it wasn't. So it is that stewardship in the life of the believer becomes so important. You create in the same manner that you were made in the image of God. He is a creator. You are a creator. God places you and he equips you and he empowers you. So life and death resides in what you say about what God has given you. Here they are. And it's very good. It's very good. There is order. God, the creator, Adam and Eve in a garden that is beautiful and complete. But when they are deceived, what is the temptation? It is a strike against divine order. You will be like God. The, the temptation that destroys this place of completion and perfection is how the serpent deceives Eve with this, this, this delusion. If you, if you, if you eat of this fruit, you will become God's competitor. And uh, he doesn't want that because, you know, he wants to keep you down. And so sin at its foundation is an attack against divine order. So I don't want to submit to God's plan for my life, and I don't want God to judge me. I'll just step back and I will judge God. That's the secular mindset. That's the natural progression of sin and doubt. Is that we begin to judge, not the Lord judges us, but we begin to judge judge God. Well, I don't know about this, and I don't think about that, and I I don't like that over there, and I'll just ignore this over here. When order breaks down in uh, the spiritual realm, the kingdom ceases to be a kingdom and becomes spiritual anarchy. And if you want to know what the modern world feels like, it feels like spiritual anarchy. And yet there is within the heart of people a desire to touch the face of God. I, I, I was listening to a drug addict uh, be interviewed, and it just stuck. I, I felt like I'd been slapped when he said that uh, when, when, the, when the drug was good, before uh, the amount he needed to get high got so large that he began to get less um, uh, effective highs, he described the feeling like this. He said, uh, the feeling was like I, I, was t- I was literally touching the face of God. And he said, that was so powerful, I would do anything for that. He said, that's the only way I can describe how it felt to me. And so I, I, I suffered the loss. I just lost everything because of that. He said, but, you know. Uh, that''s, that's the, that was his choice of words to describe non drug users such as ourselves uh, does baby aspirin, aspirin count uh, <laughs> uh, so non, that 's how he described it People crave that oneness that 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 sense of completion and I, I want you to see I want you to see that the kingdom of heaven here on earth is rebirthed not through our action but through Jesus Christ and we are invited to live within that kingdom kingdom. kingdom. And we do that through faith. And we do that through manifesting the work of God, manifesting the word of God, manifesting the promises of God, administrating the grace of God. We become members of that kingdom. And so, uh, what does any of this have to do with protection? If we live in fear, if we live in fear, uh, it will destroy our ability to express the faith that changes the world because fear the opposite of fear is is not uh, opposite of faith is not fear the opposite of fear is love but the way it's experienced in our life is if we are bound in fear we don't experience faith as something built upon love, we experience faith as built upon something that is superstitious. The difference between the work of God, the the faith that moves mountain, is a faith that's built upon the nature of God, the love of God. But when we live in fear, we begin to be just as superstitious as somebody in a third world nation who goes and tries to bribe a witch doctor. And so I want to talk about protection here. Um, if, you, if you have uh, something in your life that you have seen another person suffer, a lot of times that can turn into a chronic fear that is in your life. If you face a health dilemma, uh, that can turn into a, a chronic fear that is in your life. And you will experience it uh, quite differently than just a sense of uh, whether or not you are Going to heaven or going to hell, um, that is how so many people, so many people in their immaturity, they build their relationship with God on this 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 sense of now i 'm doing good, that means i 'm going to heaven now i 'm doing bad, that means i 'm going to hell, and then they wonder why they have no faith um, salvation is god 's gift it 's god 's work in our life we have Order restored by repentance. We are re-given identity through baptism. And we are blessed with fellowship through the Spirit. Do you see what just happened? Repentance, what was lost? What was lost in the Garden of Eden? What was lost was spiritual order. What was next lost? Identity. They were cast from that place. And what was the final thing? Fellowship. What happens to us in our walk with God? When we, we start become? we turn our heart away from this world. And we, this is the tree of death in our life, to believe that this world is what makes us happy. That's death to you. That is to live the lie. That is to walk the deception, to believe that the world will make you happy. If you have enough money, that's death. Enjoy anything you have, but never let yourself believe that that is where contentment is found. That's the tree of death in your life. In the same manner, speaking uh, doubt is the tree of death in your life. Comparing yourself one with another is the tree of death in your life. C- trying to, trying to, 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 all of the things of the flesh where we're trying to judge where we are with other people and this one and that, all that is the tree of death. And I want to say, I want to be clear about this, it's not just people in the pew who have to worry about this. This is even more important for ministry because I cannot have my life focused on the view of the things of this world and then just because I'm the preacher, step into the pulpit and you know what I can do? I can give a nice little lecture, but I cannot move in the spirit if I've spent All day eating from the tree of death. So much of the junk in your life that if you want to get technical, you could go, this book is, say, uh, there's technically a sin. This hobby is technically a sin. This movie is technically a sin. It's much more complicated than the am I saved, am I lost? That's just the bare lowest level of maturity. It's much more than just, am I pleasing God, am I not pleasing God? Don't settle for a schizophrenic salvation when what God has invited you to do is walk as an ambassador of the kingdom. I don't do that because it's the tree of death in my life. Full confession. I believe this so strongly. The last year has been so odd for me. I've had such a sequence of events happen uh, in my life. Not all of them bad, not all of them good, but just the way it all fell out uh, in my life is that I have had some breakthroughs in, in, in prayer that I did not see coming. I, 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 was, uh, I, I thought I was pretty good prayer. Thank you very much. Just bless my holy name. And uh, <laughs> I thought I was a pretty good prayer. I thought I, kind of, I could teach you a six-month Bible study on the power of prayer. But it came quite as a surprise to me that now I'm almost embarrassed to share what the Lord is dealing with in me in prayer because I just expect my wife to like, really? I live with you and you ain't that spiritual. But it's just the way the Lord has brought things up, the the realization of prayer. I I have learned this in my own life, and I won't give this to you as a you oughta or you ought not. I'm just going to give you this as confession, okay? I have begun to turn away from things, not because it's like some technical sin, but because it damages my spirit, and it ceases, it, it hinders my ability to stand in the realm of faith. It becomes death to me. I embarrassed a preacher friend of mine the other day. He was telling me about this had happened and that had happened and the other had happened. And if you're seeing this, my friend, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, first of all, thanks for watching my messages. God bless you. You don't have to give me credit when you preach them. But uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> so, he was telling me what this had happened and that one happened and this had said this and this situation happened and this happened here in this meeting. As we and, and, and right in the middle of the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, this is the tree of death to you. Well, I'm just not used to having the Lord speak to me while I talk to preachers. (laughs) The full full disclosure, it's just, that's the first time it's ever happened. And uh, I stopped and I listened. I said, how can I end this? How can I end this? And finally, it came to me. And I said, you know, um, all of this stuff that's happening, this is the tree of death to us. I said, none of this has anything to do with this truth. Sunday's coming and we are either God's men or we're not. So what if you thought about yourself differently than am I saved, am I lost, am I saved, am I lost, am I lost, am I saved, chances are you're lost. Um, there's this one guy comes every Sunday morning, he always catches me out front, and he says, what are you preaching on this Sunday? At first I was a little offended, because wait for it, honey. And uh, so then I started doing makeup styles, uh, titles for him. So every Sunday he comes now, catches me in the front, says, what are you preaching on today? And I give him some awful title, something like this, hell and why you're going. <laughs> the first time I did it, he was like, "Oh no, you can't preach that!" <laughs> so this last Sunday, um uh, things are bad, and it'll probably get worse before it gets better. Uh, <laughs> Where did that come from? I I don't know. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Um, I want you to see that so much of our life, it's not about whether or not that's technical. Give me a chapter and verse for that to be said. No, step away from that. Salvation's God's gift. He can finish what he began in you. Correct spiritual order through repentance. Take on his identity through baptism and commune with his spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then lay that down. Get out of that fear. Get out of that doubt and start saying I am called to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God and there's some things I don't need to listen to on the way to work because when I get there I need to let my light shine and if I listen to that junk all the way there I won't be the kind of ambassador that God needs me to be because I'm a citizen of another kingdom Your ability to carry order, correct spiritual order, identity, who are you in Christ, and fellowship, how are you entertaining the presence of God, is directly related to how you are able to manifest the work of God in the earth. And if we can do that, we are God's plan for revival. Now, let me explain that. Imagine Adam, and I'm going to, I'm going to done, you, uh, c- come play my brother, write some song about how y'all need this because you know, judgment and sin and sorrow, just work on that real quick and um, I'll be your soloist here. Um, so I want you to see this, understanding the kingdom of heaven. Um, imagine Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve praying in the garden, Lord, we pray you would clean up this garden. Lord, we pray that you would name these animals. Lord, we pray that you would deal with that mess that's down there that needs to be fixed. Lord, we pray you would send forth the heavenly angels to rake up the leaves. Do you see that Adam and Eve were God's plan to keep and tend the garden. There's no point in Adam and Eve praying for God to rake the leaves. Adam and Eve are God's plan to keep and tend the garden. So let me shock you in the best possible way. You are God's plan for revival in your world. How do we get there? Order. We do that with repentance identity i am not my own i've been bought with a price fellowship be ye filled with the holy ghost and if we can begin to live there we'll get above the the, the the simplistic and we'll start to think of ourselves as ministers in a parched and thirsty world in jesus name i want to pray over you stand stand with me right now maybe turn around find someone if it's appropriate take take someone's hand. I I want to, I I want to pray over you, but I want you to pray uh, one with one with another right now, all across the house. I won't keep you long. You guys know how I respect your time, but I, I, I want to, I want to pray over you right now. I'm not trying to be powerful. I'm trying to speak the word over you. I'm trying to speak the word of truth over you right now. God, forgive us for the deception that we have allowed to filter into our lives. Every time we believe something of this world will make us happy, forgive us of that deception and free us from that deception. There's no amount of money that'll make us happy. There's no status. There's no possession. There's no state of health that will make us happy. Lord Jesus, I'm praying today that you would free us from that that deceptive lie of sin. Lord Jesus, I'm praying that we would would understand that salvation that we enjoy is given to us by your generous hand. And we're not simply invited to salvation. That's what we couldn't do. That's what you did for us. We're not simply invited to salvation. That, That was your accomplishment. And we receive it gratefully what we are invited to is a way we are invited to be light and hope we are invited to speak and believe and receive we are invited to walk with hope in our lives joy in our spirits confidence in our step assurance in our heart in Jesus name we pray pray for that person you're with right now speak in your own words your own personality speak divine revelation into them that they would become a minister a true minister not simply living in fear but they would become a minister they would know who they are in God they would have him as king of their heart walk with divine fellowship with Him. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, So, I want you this week, I want you to strive to think differently about your, your, your Christianity. Think differently about it. And every chance you get, remind yourself that God placed you in your world to be his representative in that world, (laughs) to spiritually keep and spiritually tend that world. And not just that, he's given you the authority of the word over that world. You get to say what it is. If there's someone in your life who seems to dislike you, I want you to begin to re-speak that in your mind and say, I thank you, Lord, because you're going to give me favor with that person. You have naming rights, honey. If you feel like you've struggled and failed and struggled and failed, I want you to use your naming rights. I will get that opportunity. I will pass that test. I will start that business. I will land that client. You have naming rights. Because God loves to do beautiful things. So give him a chance to do something beautiful in you. Oh, let's praise him right now. Lord Jesus, we bless you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.